1: Did you call a bank? Come on, gang! Gang! Gilbert! Fade away! Dagger! Oh! A winner hits the show with a buzzer! You believe that?
0: Alright, welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Wizards Podcast. Ben Standing here. Appreciate you guys coming back as always. Joining me today. The man who knows the best places in D.C. to get pizza at all times of the night, Mr. Adam Rubin from TruthAboutIt.net. Adam, right now, this minute, I want a piece of pizza. Where should I go?
2: Well, it's the same place as at any point in the night, and that's Wise Guy Pizza on 4th and H, but open late. So, yeah, wherever you are in the city, that's where you should go.
0: That is, it is. A- and you should be.
2: Get them as a sponsor, actually. Now that we're doing a commercial for them.
0: Well, we we, we probably should. But let's let's work on that. Uh, you know, you're there. You know, six, seven, eight times a week. You should. Uh, you know, see we see what they think about that. That's not a bad. That's not a bad plan. I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll cut you in on that. Get it cut, pizza you know, slice. Oh, Well, anyway. Um. All right, we're off to the, we're off on a bad track here already because I'm uh, messing around. Here's the deal on this podcast. We've talked. I think every single episode of the Lockdown Wizards podcast this season has been about the 27-18 Wizards in one way, shape, or form. Pretty much everyone, And we could use a break. I mean, we'll talk about them some. We'll get to them in the end. The Wizards, we talked plenty last night after they lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers. You can check out Todd Divas and I's. uh, Our our thoughts on that game, the LeBron James of it all, uh, you can find that on iTunes or anywhere else to do your podcasting. Uh, And, of course, all of our other podcasts are there as well. Uh, and we'll talk a little, little bit about Tuesday's game against the New Orleans Pelicans. It's obviously a pretty interesting one. Boogie Cousins, Anthony Davis. How do the Wizards stop all that size? But uh, Adam and I and some others were having some conversations uh, the other night after the Cleveland game, and, and we got to sort of the what if of it all. What if this had happened? What if that had happened? It's always a fun, always a fun thing to do. So Adam and I decided to turn this particular episode of the podcast into a Wizards what if. Uh, I put out the Bat Signal on Twitter, uh, on the atlockedonwizards handle. I put it out on Facebook, my Facebook page, at Ben Standig. I also posted up on Wizards Reddit. I got a bunch of different uh, responses. Everybody did a great job. I really liked what we got here. And Adam and I are going to go through a few of them. Adam, uh, w- w- some of the ones we'll get to uh, m- maybe in future podcasts, because these things are always fun and it's a good break. From the normal stuff, here are some of the ones we won't be talking about tonight, but are interesting, very interesting. We just won't get to them tonight, probably. Ready, Adam? Here we go. Are uh 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 from Twitter from a uh, Reddit? Cre- speaking of pizza, Crepuscular Pizza. I don't know what that means, but whatever that is. What if Washington held on to Chris Weber? Certainly a what if, and I know one that Mister Rubin feels very passionate about he will uh, fight you for it if you argue that that was a uh, wrong, uh, you know, that the Wizards were wrong to get rid of Chris Webber in that deal. Am I right? You're going to fight people for that one?
2: Well, there's nothing really to fight. I mean, even if you believe that Chris Webber needed to be traded, which he didn't, but even if you believe that, you don't take the offer that they took. So if you have the, the youngest and I guess we are going to talk about it for one second. If you have the youngest, possibly the best trade chip in the entire NBA, first you put him out there and see what kind of deals you can get. And if you took the best offer, yeah, maybe it would have worked out. But to go for Richmond and Otis Thorpe, no. There's no real debate. That, that's not even worth it. That, that's not an issue.
0: <laughs> uh, fair enough. Um, uh, producer to the stars, Mike Callow, who's over there with ESPN 980, oh, said, and a lot of people brought this one up, what if the Wizards had literally drafted anybody else in the 2011 draft except for Jan Vesely? Obviously always a fun one. Uh, yeah, or not a fun one, but an obvious one. We're all against Jan Vesely. I thought this one, though, was interesting from from Reddit. Disaster asked, What if Jan Vesely developed under a better coach, i.e. not Randy Whitman? I think that one's worth exploring. Maybe we will some other day. I will mention that a lot of these things that go back several years um, I, I did a lot of this to some degree with Michael Lee. Uh, we did our uh, deep dive into all things already Grunfeld early on in the Locked On Wizards phase. You can find it in the archives. Uh, I guess it'll be on iTunes, or uh, if you're an Audio Boom person, it should be over there. Um, and of course, one more that's more recent and applicable to the current team, also from Reddit, from Roboto Sama: What if the Wizards hadn't hadn't had to resort to Jan Mahimi and Andrew Nicholson as consolation prizes for? Kevin Durant and Al Horford, just, just saying that sentence, it is a it's a true sentence, but just saying that hurts my soul, Adam. That That, that is, is so black and white, how things hypothetically could have been, and instead, what they are. <laughs> and
2: that's, that's even more depressing, because that wasn't a what-if scenario, because Washington, in fact, did not have to settle for Jan Mahimi and Jason Smith for Al Horford. That was their decision to do so. They did so voluntarily. That wasn't a an injury to Gilbert arenas. That wasn't a wasted draft pick. That was a voluntary uh, surrendering of max cap space. And again, we just can't go into that all right now. <laughs> um, all
0: right. We won't do that. So but we will get into a couple things. I think with the basic plan here is I think admin, I'll throw out one, Adam will throw out one, I'll throw out one, Adam will throw out one. And then I've got one specific one that I'll sort of catch us up to, or, or, or return us back to the present time for, the Wizards, and, and if I didn't already say, you can, of course, follow Adam on Twitter at Liddell's Place. I am at Ben Standig. If you got any, your thoughts about what if Wizards or anything about the Wizards you want to talk about, you can email me as well. bstandig1 at gmail.com or, like I said, leave it on my Facebook page at Ben Standig or on Twitter. Um, Alright, so the one, the, when I set out the example as to what I'm looking for from people, uh, the, the example I threw out there was in sort of a Classic one, unfortunately. What if John Wall doesn't break his hand in Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Semifinals against the Atlanta Hawks? Now, for those, just to, just to set this back up, the Wizards the previous year had um, reached the Eastern Conference Semifinals against the Pacers. First time they'd made the playoffs in a while, and they'd won a first-round series, feeling pretty good about themselves. they get up against the Pacers, and Paul George, David West, just a little too much. Wizards, maybe a little too... You know, not 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 ready for prime time on that level, and they go out in six games. No shame at all. Feeling pretty good about the next year. Go into the next year, sort of almost similar situation. Uh, win the first round series. They smoke Toronto, right? They go. They, they after Toronto killed them all the playoff, all regular season. They smoke Toronto for zip. They get to Atlanta, feeling pretty good. And game one, John Wall busts his hand, and you thinking to yourself, well, that's it. This thing is over. It was it, what 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 a buzzkill. But the Wizards actually win Game One. They lose Game Two, but Game Three still no wall. They come back to win. That of course the I called game game from Paul Pierce. He hits the uh, amazing shot uh, after the Wizards blow a twenty one point lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, he had to hit the game winning shot. Uh, from, but it was, but there was some good signs there. Bradley Beal, had seventeen points and eight assists. You're feeling like okay, he's got he, he's starting to show. Uh, that he can handle some of those lead guard duties. Oh, Otto Porter, 17 points off the bench, one of his early big games. Game four, they lose, but Beal gets 34, so you're still feeling pretty good. Game Now, by game five, John Wall is back, and this was a crusher game. They lose 82-81. This was the one where Pierce hits another, uh, you know, looks like a game winner from the corner with 8.3 seconds left. But, Adam, you remember what happened after this? Yes.
2: Yes. Uh, I, I I don't want to remember, but uh, well, this is a controversial play because Nene gets a lot of the blame, but um, I feel Paul Pierce was the, the culprit there for not not boxing out and letting his man get to the rim. But but anyway, yeah, that was that was well, the, the putback. The
0: put-back. Well, yeah, there were a lot of people who who arguably. Missed it. I, I I went back and watched some of the high, highlights of the series while I was getting ready for this, and I and the note I had because I kind of remembered it from them, right? Nene gets the oh, so basically Al Hor- so just to set it up, uh, they inbound the ball to Schroeder. He drives, Wall blocks it at the rim, but Horford comes in from Adam from 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 back deep, gets the put gets the rebound and the putback. Uh, Horford and Corver did essentially a a a, 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 a yeah, sort of picked and Beal. Was so that was that series where Corver didn't get much going on because Beal was all over him, and Beal so focused on Corver, he traces Beal, he traces Corver into the corner, even though it was the further corner out from where the ball was, and Nene stayed with the switch, so neither of them had put a body on Horford, who just went straight into the rim and got the rebound. Basically, uh, in fact, one of the questions we had from Reddit from Wiz 1836 is what if Horford didn't get that rebound? Very good question indeed. In any event, we get the game six. Hawks are up two. Al Horford, late seconds. Horford splits two free throws. The Wizards get the ball. They inbound it. John Wall gets it. He eventually gets it to Paul Pierce. He's like, you know, triple teamed in the corner. throws up a crazy shot. It goes in, forces it overtime, but no, it doesn't. It literally, the blink of an eye, he, too long, he held the ball, uh, uh, at I am wild, uh, wilder twelve on Twitter. His what if? His what if Paul Pierce got that shut off in time? That that is a good one in and of itself. In any event, because of all that happened, if he, it was as close as that could have been. They lose Game Five, and and Game Six, essentially at the buzzer, with John Wall playing with a busted hand. Now you can never, of course, say if John Wall is healthy that automatically that means the Wizards win by twenty. But you would like to think that if you could have played them that tight at that point, with John Wall not all the way back, that you'd like to think that your chances of winning that would have been pretty good. Now if they even if Pierce had made that shot, you still would have had to go to overtime, win that, then go to Atlanta to win the game seven. But for my purposes, Adam, the thing would be so if John Wall doesn't get hurt and the Wizards played it that tight, maybe that game six is to win the series, and maybe, you know, they win it overtime if Pierce gets that shot off. And then, therefore, the question sort of is it's a twofold thing. One, they, they maybe have reached the Eastern Conference uh, finals, which is something they haven't done since they went to the uh, NBA finals in 79. And it's something no DC team has done, as we all know, for 8,000 years.
1: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: (laughs) So there's that. But then the other thing is, what does that do for the offseason? Because as we all recall, this was the offseason where – they basically sat on them, sat on the ball to play it out to, to have a bunch of free agents to set them up to potentially get Kevin Durant the following off season. Would that have changed anything? Uh, so you got the twofold thing there: the Eastern Finals and the off season. Would that have changed their plan if they had actually won? I mean, by the way, I guess I should say we all assumed that even if they had made the Eastern Conference Finals, they were not going to win uh, that one. <laughs> that was against Cleveland, right?
2: Yeah, you're saying they would not cuz Atlanta got destroyed by Cleveland, I believe. Yeah. Either either a sweep or 4 to 1, something not close.
0: Right. I th- I mean, look realistically, we all probably would have been like the Wizards, everybody would have been, you know, throwing a parade for the Wizards at that point because they had made the conference finals and whatever, and then they probably wouldn't have lost in four straight or maybe they got one.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the question, What would they have done something different? You say, would they have not punted on the next season? Although they didn't consider punting it. That's not how I think they viewed it. But by going with nine expiring contracts, uh, you know, the players talked about how it's so difficult to, to play in that type of environment to actually to win with, with nine guys who are expiring. But you could also say maybe they would have even been more into having the nine expiring contracts because by getting to the, conference finals maybe they thought that's more of a chance that durant would actually take them up on the offer the next year so it's either you know it could go either way it could be well hey we don't need durant we don't need to go all in on durant because we already made it to the conference finals or which what they probably would have done since they did this anyway is say hey this is this means there's more of a chance of us getting durant so we have to throw more more uh, chips in the pile um but So, yeah, you don't know which way it would have gone in the Durant chase, and it possibly would have resulted in an extension for Randy Whitman as opposed to the next year being his final year. So you have that sort of caveat, too.
0: So so here's some of the moves that they made that offseason. Now, first of all, one key point is that Paul Pierce opted out of his contract and went and signed with the Clippers. While I was not happy in the moment simply because I've said this before, I enjoyed covering Paul Pierce in those playoffs, pretty much more than anything I've ever covered before. Uh, it was fantastic. But they literally got literally the last ounce out of the truth that playoff. That uh, The second that that shot didn't count, it's like his tank hit empty and it never got refilled again, basically, right? I mean, this was not the same guy with the Clippers uh, for the next two years. They trade up in the draft that year to get Kelly Oubre, who was not remotely ready to help them then, uh, maybe you know who knows. I mean, maybe they you know they've had this penchant for trading away their picks. Maybe they trade their pick away to get somebody rather than getting get, getting Ubre. Who knows? The, among the free, oh, they also trade for Jared Dudley. That that was a very good trade. I mean, they gave up I, literally they gave up nothing because the second round pick I think they would have had to have given away ultimately expired. So they literally gave away nothing, right? Uh, other than like some maybe some money or something.
2: Right, but he pulled an Alan Anderson and, and announced an injury after he was acquired. <laughs> um, Although
0: in fairness to Dudley, he missed I think just one game yeah. the whole year. The only thing for, for Dudley was, I mean, he was a it was a rebounding liability. He was making threes at a ridiculous rate thanks to Wall. But I remember when they made later that year they make the Marquise Morris trade. that put Dudley on the bench and he became half the player that he was dealing with the backup, similar to situa- situations we've seen. A little bit last year where, you know, the bench had no point guard and other and players really struggled. Um, in in doing my research for this, Adam, I came up with a, a subtle what if that none of us would ever think about. What if okay. what if a guy that they added as like a training camp invitee they had kept? That guy would be Ish Smith because Ish Smith has turned into a viable backup point guard in this league. And the Wizards have been fishing for one this whole time. So they wouldn't have to fish if they had kept Ish.
2: Are you saying that if they kept Ish, there would be no need to bring over Tomas Saturanski, well, or Tim Fraser, or Trey Burke? But more, it's more more to the point that Trey Burke would never have existed in a right. Wizards uniform, and uh, Fraser as well.
0: Right, and as much as you and I enjoy the Saturansky experience, I mean, you know, Ish Smith has been pretty solid for the Pistons. He's been a thing for them. So yeah, I'm just saying if if Ish Smith happens, I said comes over, but then you're not trading away back-to-back second-round picks for Trey Burke and Tim Frazier, uh, and you're actually also a hypoth- you know, in theory, getting better point guard play if you had a better point guard last year. Uh, you know, who knows what happens against the Celtics? But okay, we won't veer off into uh, <laughs> into too many more what ifs. That's the thing; these what ifs one builds on the other, builds on the other, builds on the other. Um. So 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 I looked at. The free agent. So, like, if, if... Right. Ultimately, I don't know if it would have changed anything as far as the Durant aspect, right? Because, uh, you know, he... Uh, if you believe that that was a thing, you're probably going to be even more emboldened to believe it. Yeah. That year. Unless, of course, as, you know, it's, it's what one might contemplate. Were they really ever in the Durant sweepstakes? Or... Well, they... No, well, I'm sorry. Let me, re- let me rephrase it. Did they ever really think... They were in the Durant sweepstakes or do they just want to sort of hope for the best that they might be? Well, I
2: sure as hell hope they believe they were in the Durant sweepstakes because they took extreme measures over a three-year period to clear out cap space to be in the Durant sweepstakes. I mean, they didn't even think about extending Otto when they could have uh, before he became a free agent because they didn't want to tie up any any, uh, guaranteed money, you know, at, at, you know, the two years down the road and they went with all, you know, nine expiring contracts, uh, you know, that that was a three year project to put that roster together. So yes, I would hope, I would hope it was not for show. I would hope that they had at least a belief. Now it's a double edged sword or, or I should say it's not double edged. It's bad in both instances. If they did think they had a, a shot, Then that's also bad because they clearly had no shot at all. So they didn't read the tea leaves at all. So to put that many eggs in your basket when you absolutely had no shot at getting Durant at even obviously getting a conversation with Durant or an in-person, an in-person rejection, you couldn't even get that. So, but anyway, yes, I would, I would hope it was not for show and they actually really believed it.
0: By the way, I, I, uh, I was for try to remember i think otto wasn't until the next year right because he was drafted in 2013 so he wasn't his third year didn't happen I, until fifteen sixteen, right
2: well i uh we're talking about well now i'm getting where was our hypothetical <laughs> i'm getting i'm getting lost in our
0: no, uh, hypothetical a, year well, well maybe i may be off a year yeah i think i think you're off one year the 2015 playoffs what were, were, was the uh the, the uh, What we're talking about in Otto, that was his second year. So he wasn't eligible to be a, get an extension until the following year, which, by the way, in and of itself is a what-if to some degree. Well, yeah. Because what if the Wizards had extended him after his third year, similar to the way I think uh, Old Depot was extended, then while it might have looked bad in the moment, it would have been less money than what he's paying him now, blah, blah, blah
2: that was still the year before Durant became a free agent, right? The next year they, they could have extended him before the Durant. They,
0: could have, ah, they, I they yeah. could have extended him the same year as Durant, I believe. Cause Durant was the 20, uh, 2016, 17 uh, season. Last year was his first right. golden state. Right. So last year, so they could have extended Otto last year. They waited until this year to, uh, to do it. Um, in, in, in any event, I was looking up uh, yes. of our uh, our friend, uh, Jorge Castillo, who used to cover the Wizards for the Post. I was looking up to see uh, a lot of my articles from CSN days have been purged over the years, Adam, because they don't understand the value of keeping articles online. So I couldn't figure out where I was, but I looked up to see what Jorge wrote. He, he wrote uh, about guys that the Wizards could target. And you'll wonder, looking at this list, did somebody get in his ear as to, as to the type of players the Wizards were going to get because these were some terrible players. Among, among the names, Alan Anderson, who they did get. Marco Bellinelli, who's totally fine. Corey Brewer, who's just kind of been a guy. Aaron Brooks, you know, whatever. He seems like he's a wizard's killer sometimes, but he's a guy. Omri Caspi, I mean, I like Omri Caspi, but I mean, he hasn't done, you know, he hasn't been all that. Jared Dudley was mentioned. Mike Dunleavy, eh? uh Jonas Derepko, Gerald Green, uh, you know, uh, uh uh, Jameer Nelson, Marcus Thornton's on this list, so not not a lot of guys. A lot of guys who came recycled like a year or two later, even uh, not not much here. But then you look at the bigger list, like who were the big free agents that year? Now LeBron, you know, was always a free agent, but he stayed with Cleveland. LaMarcus Aldridge, I think, was the biggest free agent to leave. He went from Portland to the Spurs. The Wizards had no chance of getting him, right? No, no chance. Uh, Marcus All stayed with Memphis. Kevin Love stayed with Cleveland. Kawhi stayed with the Spurs. Jimmy Butler stayed with the Bulls. Draymond stayed with the Warriors. DeAndre Jordan did leave, but then he came back to the Clippers, which was a lot of fun for Twitter. Uh, Goran Dragic stayed with Miami. Paul Millsap stayed with Atlanta. Dwayne Wade stayed with Miami. Greg Monroe did leave to go from Detroit to uh, Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Tyson Chandler, uh, he went to Phoenix, right, I think? Was that that year he went to Phoenix? He was with Dallas, and then he went to Phoenix?
2: Yeah, the Dallas to Phoenix. Uh, oh. And then that's – right, because then DeAndre, they were going to replace him with DeAndre, but they lost him.
0: Right. And so, you know, and then we are get out of like a Chris Middleton who stayed in Damari Carroll. And at that point, we're not naming guys who you're like, wow, I can't believe the Wizards missed out on that guy. So on a, on some level, the – From a free agency standpoint, I don't know what, even with the Wizards, even if you buy into some extra momentum, more interest, whatever you want to say, I don't know if there was anything the Wizards actually could have done. So the ultimate thing with the John Wall thing is that they maybe, if you buy into, again, sort of how they played in this series, that hit a healthy wall would put them over the top, that would have been the year for them to have made the Eastern Conference Finals far more realistic than the year against the Pacers. And last year with the Celtics, you know, they got it to seven games. You know, we we can do some what ifs on that one of course as well. Marquise Morris doesn't get hurt in, in game one, maybe they don't blow that, yada yada yada. But uh if John Wall doesn't get hurt, I would probably say they probably make the Eastern Conference Finals. That's just, I'm gonna go with that. Don't you know don't 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 tell me that's not true or, or Santa Claus isn't real, okay?
2: Okay. I don't wanna <laughs> dash your hopes.
0: Um all right, so but
2: keep but, putting that stocking up.
1: Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Uh, <laughs> all right, so so let's go to you. Of course, that one ran longer than I thought because it's fun to talk about these things. Uh, give me, give us yours. What, what's a, what's a Wizards what if here you want to talk about on the uh, Locked On Wizards podcast? Okay, I'll
2: give you a quick one that won't require too much analysis, and it's sort of related to what we just did. It's last year. In the playoffs, and mine is not even a Wizards-related incident. And mine is the Rajon Rondo thumb injury in the Boston-Chicago Bulls series. And that's because Boston-Chicago uh, was was really killing Boston. Uh, the first two games, they won both games in Boston. Uh, Robin Lopez was was killing the Celtics down low, and and Rondo, Butler, and Wade were were, were playing really well. I think if he did not have that thumb injury. Chicago would have beaten Boston, which would have set up a second round matchup between the Washington and Chicago. I think Washington would have matches up really well against Chicago would have won. And that would have taken them into the conference finals, which has been the, the, as you said, the the Holy grail for DC and the way that Washington had played last year against Cleveland in the regular season, the confidence that they had, I mean, look, I would have beaten Cleveland. Probably not. If they played a hundred times, Would they have won more than their fair share? I mean, it's a possibility that they could have beaten Cleveland. But even so, at least pushing them to six or maybe seven games, because the way they were really matching up against them all season, um, I think it would have been a great series. And, again, it wouldn't have affected the offseason acquisitions, I don't think. But I think it would have affected uh, Boston's offseason. It, you know what they were going to do would affect, I think, how Washington started off this year. If they had already accomplished the Eastern Conference Finals, I think they would have come in with a lot more confidence. They probably would have been playing, hopefully, a lot, a lot better from the start. They would have had the confidence that they can be the top one or two teams, you know, in in the uh, in the East.
0: Well, I'll say, I'll say, of all the things this team is is lacking, confidence isn't one of them. I think they were probably a little too much on themselves, perhaps based on the way they've been kinda of going this year and, and in fairness to well, them, there's been a lot of there was a lot of talk that they were the number two team in the East anyway. But to your point, they probably make the Eastern Conference finals in that scenario. And you're right, who knows how the offseason changes because of, of that.
2: And by confidence, I guess I don't mean specifically that they yes, they already think that they were better than Cleveland last year, but I mean the actual to play a little more Professionally, a little more with a sense of urgency. I mean, I think once they get there, if they do eventually get there, and they, you know, they maybe will start to change. I mean, now they're just sort of they play as if they've already been to the conference finals, or if they already are a contender. But hopefully, if they get a taste of you know having that close series against Cleveland, maybe learning a little more about what it takes to get to that level, they'll they'll play with more of a, a sense of urgency uh, than they are playing now. But yes, of course, confidence. They 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 already. They, they believe Cleveland already tanks to avoid them. So in their minds, they've already, they've already won. Um,
0: all right. So, so that was your quick one. You said, did you have a, uh, and that's a good one because you're right. I mean, the, you know, who, who knows the Celtics? I mean, you know, even if Rondo stays healthy, you, you know, the Celtics obviously are pretty good. Oh, you know, based on the overall arc of the season, who knows, but you know, Rondo is such a wild card player. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys where he can be a, such a nightmare, but when he's right, He's one of the better players in the league, so you know if he could have kept that up, that could have been a lot of fun. But in any event, um, you, that was your quick one. You got you got another you got another little one there uh, we can get into. Uh, sure,
2: I can I, I can go old school. Um, I can go. I'll go back to the early two thousands, and this is this one. It's a little controversial because I believe that the Michael Jordan era. As a player in DC, is unfairly maligned, and it's unfairly it is joked about. Oh, he shouldn't have come back as a wizard, and you know that's all the jokes are about how he how he was playing it was embarrassing to his legacy. I disagree, and I'm saying his first season back with Washington, if he does not get injured, about 46, 47 games into the season, he re-injured his knee. He on an offensive rebound, loose ball, he uh, banged knees with a Ton Thomas, and at that point, Washington was 26 and 21. And they had been playing without Richard Hamilton for about a month and a half, about five weeks, Richard Hamilton was out. And at the time that Michael Jordan got injured, Washington had won the previous 13 games in a row when both Jordan and Hamilton were healthy and playing. And at 26 and 21, with both of them then healthy, I believe they were on the road to a 50 win season. And once you get Jordan in the playoffs, you know, back then, I don't care how old he was. You could have been looking at the best Washington Wizards team, bullet slash Wizards team of the last 30 years in terms of the accomplishments, games one, and how far they go in the playoffs. And you're talking about a Michael Jordan who was putting up a 25, six and five in about 37 minutes a game uh, that season. So, that is my big what-if because it takes from what is thought to be an embarrassing stretch to what I really think was a huge accomplishment. I mean, Michael Jordan was playing with Courtney Alexander, Kwame Brown, Hubert Davis, Brendan Haywood, Popeye Jones, Christian Laettner, Ty Lue, Tyrone Nesby, Bobby Simmons, Etan, Jahidi White, and Chris Whitney, and he was, took that team without Hamilton. He took them to a 26-21 and 21 record, and... That, I think, would be almost as good as the accomplishments, obviously not at the same level as what he did with the Bulls, but that is an exceptional accomplishment if he could have been able to play the entire season and it would have changed the trajectory of his time in Washington. And I I sense you're you're, you're, you're not on board completely with this one in terms of how far they would have gone with Jordan healthy, but I'm saying they were on a pace and would have won 50 games. And we're talking about now – that maybe Bradley Beal and John Wall, these great players, could get to 50 games. I'm saying Jordan could have done it if he just didn't bang his knee into a Tom Thomas.
0: Oh, I, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not opposed to what you're saying. I had not thought of this one and your stat about they'd won 13 games in a row with Jordan and Richard Hamilton together. I mean, I, I, uh, of all the trades we we all talk about that the Wizards did or didn't do, you know, where Hamilton for Stackhouse doesn't rank as one of the bigger lopsided ones because Stackhouse was a very good player. I hated that trade. I love Richard Hamilton. I love unique players. I love players that 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 force the other team to have to really focus on them. And Richard Hamilton was such a unique player, and of course we saw that play out with the Pistons. He had such a great mid-range game. Stack has very good player, but you know, somewhat dime a dozen in terms of like an athletic wing, and and you know he was he had some flaws here and there. But anyway, so I lo- anything with Richard Hamilton, I'm in on the fact that you're saying the idea of getting Michael Jordan into the playoffs, I'm with you. Who wants to face that guy? <laughs> right? Literally nobody. So, yeah, that would have been insane fun to see. And, unfortunately, yeah, uh, yeah it did not happen. So, no, that's a good one. Good job. No, oh, uh, thank you. Thank you. What, what, what do you got? Oh, that was good. Uh, well, I'm going to go something uh, – I'll go with one here from a uh, – from Twitter. This is actually from my boy, at Larry – Cadenhead, who is a very uh, fantastic mortgage uh, guy. If you need a mortgage guy, look up Larry Cadenhead. He's my guy. He did my mortgage. Uh, that's, but thought,
2: that's two local commercials with with two local commercials with no actual uh, a payment. You got to get on this.
0: I do. I do. I. I'm. You know. This is why I'm. Uh, this is why I'm a pauper. Uh, so the classic, another classic one. What if the Wizards don't trade the number five pick? To the Minnesota Timberwolves for Randy Foy and Mike Miller and then so to add to that what if they draft Steph Curry this is the one one of the one of the, one of the all-time what ifs for the wizards one I discussed at great length with Michael Lee as I mentioned before and look I, I have said many times I 100% would have kept the pick to take Steph Curry and, and I'm not saying that after the fact I love Steph Curry coming out similar to what I just said about Rupert Richard Hamilton. There was something about him; it was unique, it was different, and there was so. I mean, one of the you know, I don't have to defend Steph Curry, but I love Steph Curry coming out of college. I would not have; it was not for me. Now, of course, Minnesota took Ricky Rubio. So when we play this game, like we do now, with, um, you know, the kid from Brooklyn, the center, we're gonna like watch him as part of that Boyan Bogdanovich trade. Technically, Rubio is the guy that we should be tracking for Minnesota, but because Curry is the guy, I think a lot of people wanted, and he became Steph Curry. He's the guy that people sort
2: of focus on. So there's a couple well, th- oh, go ahead. No, no, go. No, just to say, my recollection—I didn't do any research—but my recollection was that Ricky Rubio would have been who Washington took, and I remember reading that the expectation was he wasn't going to be there at five. So, but yes, you can go. Uh, so my guess was it looked like Rubio would, would be who Washington would take, but again, obviously, Steph is a superstar, so that that's where you go with the. The what if, but yeah, yeah, and go of, on. And of, of course,
0: on. they made the trade several days before the draft, so it wasn't like they got to the board, saw the board, then made the trade. They'd already made the trade uh, and all that. Now, let's not let's not relitigate this trade. We all understand it did not work out, even though I understood at the time why David Aldridge on this podcast said he liked the trade at the time, but okay, it didn't work out, so be it. Here's the thing on that though that we all if he, let's just even say they took Curry that's a couple things on this that everybody forgets. One, the curse of Le Boulet would have struck Steph Curry hard based on what seemed to happen to Golden State. He had all those ankle injuries early on. Now, for Golden State, it actually worked out fantastic because when Curry's next contract came up, they got him on a much lower deal than it would have been if he had been healthy early on, which is what exactly set them up for everything that subsequently happened uh, in terms of, you know, Getting Draymond Green in the second round, but giving him a huge deal early. Getting Kevin Durant, all the Andre Iguodala, all this on some level is because Steph Curry got not a lot of money relative to what he would have been, you know, if he'd been healthy all that time. If he'd come to the Wizards, there would have been. Can you imagine that vibe? This team that is already dealing with injury after injury at at that point, Gilbert Arenas is hobbling around on one leg. Because of his knee injuries, you already just missed out on that whole Gilbert Arenas, Karan Butler, Antoine Jameson uh, thing because of all of, of the injuries to those guys. The, the idea, of, and then you know, they just the history of the of the Bullets Wizards injuries. Now Curry comes in, he's getting hurt. People would have been like, "Get rid of this guy! <laughs> we can't we can't have this, whatever." So who knows what would have happened? I'm not, you know, obviously we don't we, we would never know, but I just mean if Curry comes into this team getting hurt. That in and of itself would be. I, people would have hated it. I don't think I'm wrong on that one, right? No,
2: I mean, no. That would have. And it, the injuries lingered for so long with Curry, and there were questions about whether he could. Although, when you think about it, though, I mean, you look at John Wall, they faced similar concerns with the stress fractures. When they gave him the full, you know, uh, Extension, his first big contract. You know, there were questions about him at that point, so uh, about his injuries, not just you know playing, but just the injuries and whether he would be healthy. And we're taking a, uh, you know, hoping he's 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 recovered. Same thing with Beal. They remember that the front office said, well, we think he's he's over those those issues he was having, uh, you know, with his injuries every year. So I guess it's possible if you if you give the benefit of the doubt to the front office that if Curry. Was having those same issues that they would have had the confidence in him to, to extend him as, as well. So I guess that there is some type of, uh, similarities between the two, you know, premier players they have now and, and Curry. So we can sort of give them, you don't want to always crush the front office. You got to give them some credit when, when they do things. So I'd say, uh, yeah, there's a possibility Curry could have, uh, been rewarded here and, and developed.
0: And maybe and maybe he would have been rewarded. I'm just saying every, everybody would have, like, would, and and they would have loathed that if they'd extended a guy who was getting hurt because of all the, they'd just gone through the Gilbert Arenas thing. They just gave Gilbert Arenas a massive contract, and obviously that turned into a disaster. But here's the other part of this that gets overlooked constantly. I'm not arguing that John Wall and Steph Curry are the same player, but you wouldn't have had both, right? If you draft Steph Curry or even Ricky Rubio, you don't make the trade, you keep the pick. I mean, and this sort of ties into another one of these what-ifs, and if you want to get into this, we can in a second. But if you keep Steph Curry, for one, you don't even know what the record would have been in the Wizards, what odds they would have had, and, and you know they, they didn't have the best odds. They weren't the number one seed that year to get the pick. It just worked out that way. But positionally, they have a point guard now with Steph Curry. John Wall... It's not interesting. Now, I'm not saying if they, they if they'd get the number 1 pick, they would have passed on Wall or I mostly say they probably would have traded it. The odds of Steph Curry and John Wall ever playing together probably slim to none. So you wouldn't it's not like you would have had Steph Curry and tacked them on to John Wall. You would have probably had Steph Curry or Rubio and then the likelihood of getting Wall the next year probably slim to none.
2: And And this is another point that was brought up by a frequent listener of the podcast. I'll I'll call him Randy. He brought up to me that in addition to Curry, the Wizards also had the option. If we're going to do more, what ifs they could have drafted Kawhi, uh, well Kawhi Leonard, of course, but they could have drafted Draymond. They could have also drafted Klay Thompson. And the question is if Washington had drafted Curry and Draymond and Klay Thompson, just all three of them. I mean, what are the odds that, you know, this organization would have put together what the Warriors, became you know so what what confidence that you have that they could have duplicated what what the warriors did so so it's always difficult when you do the what ifs with drafts because it's not just the player it's also how they developed once they made it to the team and that's the same thing with you know Kawhi Leonard in San Antonio yeah everyone says take kawhi over Vesely but there's deeper there's, there's a deeper black cloud over this franchise where even in picking the right players you have to question whether they would have developed in the same in the same way, so so the what ifs are tough because you can't count on the the GM can't be expected to hit on every single pick. It, you know what Golden State did was you know somewhat miraculous when you look back. Um,
0: well, and, and, but, and to your point about like that whole thing and again, this is another tangent, but it is what it is. In 2012, the Wizards drafted Bradley Beal third. They in the second round they took Satoransky, which is where they could have hypothetically taken Draymond Green. Now, if they take Draymond yes. Green. The coach of the Wizards at that point is Randy Whitman, and Randy Whitman, as we all know, <laughs> will give Randy Whitman credit. You know, he probably get, should get, deserves more credit than we often give him. The 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 back to back Eastern Conference semifinals, yada yada yada. There's I can't even comprehend that Randy Whitman would have been able to contemplate how to use Draymond Green in any way, shape, or form that the way Golden State did. Right, I mean the idea of this whole uh, death lineup. Randy Whitman, the, the Wizards were going with Nene and Gortad at the bigs, right? I mean the 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 whole thing about uh, Paul Pierce, you know, like using him as a stretch four, like that didn't even happen until the playoffs, and, and none of us were even sure that that would necessarily happen then it just doesn't seem like a Randy Whitman coach team was going to be that uh, uh, unconventional and probably, you know, is Curry getting off the same looks? Who knows? So I'm not saying it couldn't have, but yeah, it just seems like like, (laughs) that even if they could have gotten all that to work, that based on the coach they had at the time, I don't know. I see, you know, Draymond Green in particular actually becoming the guy we know who he is today.
2: Well, you can forget even contemplating a death lineup. Draymond Green, after the first time he makes a comment to Whitman, walking past him on the bench, Draymond would have been benched for the entire season, a la Glenn Rice Jr., Jordan Crawford. I mean, he wouldn't be, even been in the game. And Steph Curry, you have to imagine, would have become the greatest long two-point shooter in the history of the NBA, had he been groomed under Randy Whitman. <laughs>
0: um yeah, absolutely. And uh, let, let's do one more quick one here. We'll, we'll end this on a positive one. This is the one you brought up earlier. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll let you set this up. But basically, the gist is this: we well, mostly we seem to, you know, it, it, it's it's our nat- all of our natural inclinations to think of it negatively. What if this guy doesn't get hurt? What if they had picked? What if they hadn't drafted this guy? But there have been times where the Wizards have gotten lucky. One of them is that very year when John Wall was picked. Take it from there. Mr. Rubin.
2: Well, yes, because I was. It was a lost season for the Wizards that year before the uh, draft lottery. Because I was, I was at the final game of the season when Washington was playing Indiana, and Washington was down by four points late. And a man who was on a ten-day contract, one of the many ten-day contracts that Ernie would give out, you know, at the end of those seasons, those guys would play a lot of minutes. Cedric Jackson, he took it upon himself to take over the game late, score the final five points, including a, a late three-point shot to give Washington a one-point lead, which was the final point scored. And that one-point lead and that win gave wa- the win put Washington into a tie with the Golden State Warriors for the lottery odds. If he had missed a shot, if they had lost the game, they would have had better odds at the lottery. But instead, they tied with the Warriors. There was a coin flip. The Warriors won the coin flip, thus getting even greater chances of getting the first pick or second or third. But as it turns out, as we all know, in the end, we have Cedric Jackson's final five points to thank for tying the Warriors, for losing the coin flip, and thus putting Washington in position to get the number one pick. And you can imagine how the, it's a very simple what if, if Washington had gotten even the number two pick instead of the number one pick. If you can look at this franchise with John Wall versus Evan Turner, and that's, that's a what if, if ever there was one.
0: No, that that really is, I mean, that is a great what if, because, you know, we all do always play this game. Well, what if they'd gotten this one? I mean, I always think, what if Kwame Brown, the year that the Wizards got that number one pick, it'd been one of those other years where it was instead of a complete uncertainty. Every
2: other year, yeah.
0: Right, a yeah. complete, complete crapshoot. You know, whatever, LeBron, Yao Ming, lots of other people that they could have had sort of in that general uh, time frame. But you're right. I mean, if, if the Wizards had moved up to the number two pick that year, considering where they were, people would be like, oh, my God, that's so great. Well, okay, well, it sucks. We won't get John Wall. But Evan Turner, awesome. I mean, there were people who, uh, I'm sure if you go back and look, thought the Wizards probably should have taken Evan Turner. Not a lot, but I'm sure there were some. So Evan Turner had his backing and support. He had a great year at Ohio State. And, yeah, that would have been an utter disaster. Because <laughs> he, I mean, Anderson's and, just nice hes you know he's okay, but he's not that good. And and to to piggyback on if we're
2: doing the 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 bright side, the things where things did work out, you could just go ahead to the you know Bradley Beal's year. I mean, you got if if the Charlotte Hornets, the Bobcats, whatever at the time, uh, didn't, didn't take Michael Kidd-Gilchrist for the number two pick. I mean that that that's a little luck that that won Washington's you know way a, as well. So sort of. The franchise cornerstones, Wall and Beal, for all the bad luck the franchise has had, for all the bad moves they've made, those are two fortuitous bounces that went Washington's way to get those those two players.
0: Um, and I, if I had to guess, if because that was my fear, I was all in on Beal after doing the homework for that draft. I was all in on Beal. That's who I thought was the ideal pick for the Wizards. I mean, he and Wall, as has played out, you know, you can't almost ask for a better combination. And I was praying that, that, that what happened happened. But I think if he had gone two, I guess, my guess is the Wizards would have taken Harrison Barnes, not Gilchrist. Because, uh, I mean, you couldn't possibly consider pairing a guy who can't shoot at all with John Wall. Not, a, I mean, you know, that wouldn't even be great now, let alone then. But Harrison Barnes, while, uh, you know, he, he's certainly had his question marks and, you know, he's had an interesting career, Uh you know what I mean? I think you would have had to have picked him just because he was a shooter who you know who could play um you know. And by the way, if you had picked Harrison Barnes and we go down this route, then would the next year do they take Otto Porter another three at the third pick? Probably not.
2: I, I no, I can actually answer that. They would have because they signed Martel Webster a three to a contract right before drafting Otto Porter, even though they also had Trevor Ariza. So they would have had no, because that's where if they were going to go by position, you take New Orleans Noel. But they had no problem taking Otto Porter, small forward, even though they just gave a rather substantial contract to Martell Webster to be their small forward. Right. So I'm saying no, they would still take Otto.
0: But the, 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 wasn't Ariza a free agent after that year?
2: Yeah, but, but they were, they were trying to keep him, or they were, they were thinking about keeping him. And they weren't like they weren't saying going by need, you know, is what I'm saying. They weren't drafting based on need because if you consider Noel and Otto were similar in terms of their draft stock, I mean if need position were gonna be the determining factor, you know, you'd go Noel. So I feel that I think they liked Otto. Uh and they were taking him, whether it's the Georgetown connection or not. But but regardless, that's uh that's a that's a hypothetical upon
0: a hypothetical.
2: Um
0: <laughs> yeah, this is what I'm actually
2: like, okay. No, no. I was going to say, I the early in Beal's rookie season. I was actually at the Golden State Washington game, and the Golden State GM uh, Bob Myers was sitting behind me, and I was sitting in you know in the crowd as a fan. And so, and this was in the beginning of Beal's career when he was having trouble in the summer league as well, getting a shot off, you know, getting separation. Uh, I guess he was still learning how to get space to get a shot off. So he was having trouble uh, scoring. And I remember I asked Bob Myers. I said, you know, you're seeing Harrison Barnes. You're seeing Beal, I was like, yeah, it looks like Beal has you know trouble getting his shot off. I mean, he's supposed to be this great scorer, and 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 Myers was sort of like agreeing. I'm like, he was happy with, you know, I was talking about Harrison Barnes versus Beal, and he was happy with having Harrison Barnes over over Beal. So it was just it was just funny to have that conversation with the the general manager, like while they're playing you know out in front, and then you see how their careers ultimately uh, played out.
0: Look at you hobnobbing with big shots.
2: Well, I, I, I—he I, was actually a very nice guy because I recognized him from you know the drafts, and he was talking about how he was a big—I uh, guess it was Golden State. I think he was like a longtime season ticket holder, and how it was you know great—you know his dream to be the general manager, and you know he was just talking like a talking like a regular fan sitting in the crowd, and uh, and uh, you know it was just after the Beal and Harrison Barnes picks,
0: so yeah. Iron- was- Ironically, and I think it was the same year, 2012, at Summer League. Uh, I'm watching the Warriors play because they had Kent Bazemore was an undrafted for agent. i had covered Kent Bazemore oh. at ODU and thought to myself, this guy can play in the league. And Bob Myers was standing there and I struck up a conversation with him about Kent Bazemore. And, you know, he's humoring me. He's like, well, what do you think? I'm like, oh, I think he's going to make your team. There you go. I clearly he listened to oh. me, and uh, you know Kent Bazemore owes me a one one you know, percent of his uh, massive contract. Uh,
2: we got we got we got Bob Myers stories here. Uh, that Kent Bazemore, as an as a, an aside, for anyone uh, any summer league heads, that Golden State Warriors team led by Kent Bazemore was the greatest defensive summer league team in the history of summer league. They they played. They were pressing full court, played ferociously, shut everybody down, and it was Kent Bazemore who was who was the leader. And yeah, and that that's where I I also got to to liking him as well. That's the first I had seen of him, but um, but anyway, that that's more more Kent Bazemore (laughs) stories.
0: All right, so uh, so a lot of fun there. We've got more what if uh, topics to get into down the line. Plenty of other ideas that you guys had, and Adam and I'm sure we can come up with as well. Uh, We'll need some other opportunities for sure so we'll, we'll get to that some other day uh will but well let me just go to one last one though to tie it back to where we are now wizards are about to face the pelicans everybody want keep saying what are the wizards going to do can they make another trade yada 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 i i pose this to you mr rubin if i tell you that the wizards can trade auto porter and let's just say uh you know for argument's sake uh well, let's just say you can trade Otto Porter for Boogie Cousins, and we'll presume that Marchand-Gortat moves on somewhere, whether it's to the Pelicans or somewhere else, so we sort of get rid of that logjam. I tell you, you can trade Otto Porter for Boogie Cousins. We'll put aside the trade kickers and let's say they can make it all work. But but that's your basic team. Are you so the what the future? What if if that's proposed to you? What if? That's all for you making that trade.
2: Look, there's one simple reason why I believe you have to make that trade. And again, I know there's no specific trade we're talking about, but that type of, those two pieces moving. And it's simply that. I'm interested in winning a title, or at the very least being an actual legitimate contender, not a, Ted Leone just writes on his blog that, hey, we're a a contender now type thing. Not, hey, let's maybe get past the second round. I mean, being that team that can get to the NBA Finals, the ceiling is higher with Wall, Beal, and DeMarcus Cousins than it is with Wall, Beal, and Otto. And yes, it could be disastrous. Yes, things could go wrong. The variance might be greater having DeMarcus versus Otto but just that opportunity, just that chance that things could hit, that wall could sort of rein in DeMarcus. And I'm, I'm, I'm also, by the way DeMarcus has been playing on New Orleans, I think he's answered a lot of questions about his, his, his effort, his energy, his heart. I mean, he's, he's, he's playing really well. Um, he's also showing range where he can step back to the three-point line. He can distribute, be a point guard. He doesn't have to necessarily be down at the rim. He's playing power forward to, to Anthony Davis' center. Uh, if Wall can actually lock in, rein him in, and they can play together, um, that's the feeling. That, that's that's it. I mean, there's not that many people out there, other players of that nature, that stature, who would be willing to come to D.C., who would be willing to sign a long-term contract. And I don't know, maybe on your in your hand, can you name five people, five players who could have that type of impact, potentially, that DeMarcus could. Now, are there other people I would like more because they're a little more uh, you know, I would have rather have Anthony Davis. Yes, although injuries are a concern, um, but that, that's that's your ceiling. That's that's the opportunity to get to the next level. I know you're you – know, what, what, what are your thoughts?
0: Well, I was just going to say, just to sort of set the whole picture up here, while you're, you, you make a fair point, if the singular goal is to win a title, you're right. I would agree with you that the combination of Cousins with Wall and Beal – Gives you a better chance than the combination with Otto and those two guys. The thing about it is that Boogie Cousins is a free agent at the end of the year. Well, you could make. Yes, it, and you could, yes. Well, I'm saying you could make the trade, and he could yes. decide I don't want to come, I don't want to stay, or and this is where I, I'm not going to pretend to have every salary cap situation memorized. But you know, the Wizards are, are the Wizards even definitively in the position to keep him. Again, we're sort of I'm just sort of making this random hypothetical of Otto for. For Boogie Otto actually makes more money, but you know how would the you know would the Wizards even be able to do it? With, again, I'm sort of saying they get rid of Gortat, but I don't know how they're getting rid of Gortat. If you can't get rid of Gortat, then you really probably don't have any money to get rid of him. And if you get rid of Gortat, are you taking something back, so there's a co- potential that they either couldn't maybe realistically afford him without moving some more stuff, or that he leaves and you're risking three and a half years of Otto Porter. to to do that. So you're right. It would be a better job of the title, but you're risking now this guy you've been developing who's, you know, turned into a really good player, letting him go for two months of, of boogie cousins.
2: Well, I mean, obviously yes, presuming the salary cap would work out obviously. Otherwise it wouldn't work in the first place, but I'm presuming, I'm assuming if there were to be a trade, we're getting some type of assurance under the table, not necessarily, you know, in writing, but from John Wall talking to the market. No, no, no. Again, again, I believe, and I forget, I'm not positive, but I believe Demarcus and John Wall can talk about where he would be, and John Wall can relay those conversations about his willingness to, to be in DC. I'm not talking about Rob Palenka, Magic Johnson, you know, actually talking to the player and making a deal. I'm just saying more. The so Marcus and John Wall can have a conversation like, hey, would you sign here? He's not, you know, he's not putting it in blood, but.
0: Right. I was going to say, just to yeah. be clear, as somebody who is familiar with the law, that is not binding, correct? Yeah. Oh,
2: yes. And I'm and I'm I'm taking that into account when I say if John Wall tells me that the Marcus cousin has told him that he wants to be in D.C. and he will sign in D.C., that is enough. That would be enough for me to take the risk in trading on understanding, of course. Someone else could offer DeMarcus a max. He could change his mind. Yes, that, that could happen. But I'm saying if he's – I wouldn't do it if there was like a Paul George situation where you have no idea where he's going to be. You just did it. Um, you know, I, w- I wouldn't do that. But if, if, if I were the Lakers, for instance, I would have traded for Paul George and been confident he was going to resign with the Lakers. I would say I'd give stuff up to get Paul George because I think he's staying. If I'm OKC, I'd be more you – know, I, I wouldn't do it. I know why they did it, but I'm saying – put the Marcus into that situation coming to D.C., I, I wouldn't take him if it was a Paul George situation. But if it was a Paul George to the Lakers situation, I, I would take him. And that's what I'm saying. If he's talking to Wall and we sort of get the feeling he's coming, then yes, I, I, would, I would take the risk. Again, if for no other reason than what I said, the ceiling. It, it, there's never been a ceiling like that in D.C. In, in my lifetime, and I don't know any other way to get it. So that's what I would do. The ceiling is the roof. The ceiling is DeMarcus.
0: The ceiling is the roof. All right. Well, well, look, we can get we could talk about this one forever. But, look, the interesting thing will be DeMarcus Cousins will be in Chinatown on Tuesday. You all can try to kidnap him and, and keep him there, but he will at least be there. You can get a look at him on the same court as John Wald does not in the same team. Uh, interesting one for the Wizards. Uh, well, you know, again, they're uh, you know, they coming off a loss, but if they can maintain the same focus and general level of energy that they had against Cleveland, I know they ran out of gaslight, but in, but in general, if they can do that against the Pelicans, they can win that game, look good doing it, and then maybe they can get on a run. I've said some version of that about 18,000 times over the last month. But, uh, yeah. So we will see. We will see what happens. And uh, right now, that's all we can do. Um, Mr. Rubin, appreciate it, man. There's no what if ands butts are batted. You are a uh, wizard savant, and we are always glad when you are here on the Lockdown Wizards podcast. And,
2: and I don't want you to disappoint your many listeners. You did not answer the question, but I will answer it for you. Ben would not trade Otto Porter under any circumstances for anybody, <laughs> as far as I can tell, from the way he talks about Otto Porter. There's nobody in the NBA who he would who he would trade for.
0: Oh, that is simply a. Uh... Falsehood. I just, uh, I just, I, uh, you know, we just went for to- <laughs> Boyan Bogdanovich, for, uh, well, for, yeah. Boyan Bogdanovich for, for two months. The the, the whole w- one part of the Mike Miller trade that people go over, look, even if the Mike Miller and Randy Foy part had really worked, they were free agents. Both pro- are free agents. Yeah, yeah. they're free agents, so they were leaving anyway, most likely. So, you know, at some point you have to build towards something and you're taking a two and a half month r- risk that this guy stays, you win with him. And if not, you are maybe not starting over because you still have Wall and Beal, but you are now way back in the pack and probably without, with, with without a lot of room to go. So I don't know. I I, I don't know. Ah. You get a lot of assurances. And then there's the whole, who's my small forward? What happens to Gortat and or Mahimi? So there's missing pieces. I, I would need to see the full display. I gave you the sort of half, uh, half-baked version yeah. of the idea and made you uh, work with it.
2: Well, how dare you compare Boyan Bogdanovich to getting the Marcus Cousins? But yes, I, I get I get your point.
0: Um, I right, man, so appreciate it as always. Uh, we'll be back with another podcast after Wizards Pelicans. And uh, again, fo- you can follow Adam on Twitter at Liddell's Place. I'm at Ben Standig. Uh, find us on iTunes. And for now, see you.
1: Everybody gets so to do. Deal gets open for three. Dagger! Hey, hey, prime. members, you can listen Dagger. this shot. On podcast Hot free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. you